Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hey, everybody. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Now we're getting into the holiday season, and uh, boy, things can get a little crazy this time of year. I wanted to talk about something that I have not really talked about before, and that is where do you look when you have a person that you're caring for, you know, family member, whatever, you come home for the holidays, and you find that they are further impaired than you thought, and you need to find out what financial resources they may have. Um, Are they paying their bills? Things like that. And how do you find those financial resources if that person is super private about their finances? Or they're just disorganized. They don't record things. They don't have their bills automated, whatever it is. And sometimes their suspiciousness is part of the illness itself. And they hide what they have because they think people are going to steal it from them. So you as a family member might not even know what resources that person has um, that you can use for their care. That can be really, really difficult. So finding out what resources they have even though it is difficult, especially if things are in disarray, their offices are a mess, you can't, you can't find things, everything just is a, a pile of, of you know, a, a, just a big fat mess. You walk into the room and there's nothing but paper stacked to the ceiling, um, boxes for some things with no lids on them. You know, things falling over because they're too piled too high, things like that. How do you find what you need? Well, if somebody has a debt, usually it's going to show up in the mail or in their email as something they haven't paid. So that's a place to look. Look at the mail and see um, if, if you see anything that looks like a bill. Just put them in a basket or something and sort through them later. And then I, what I would do is uh, maybe just separate them out, you know, when you get a chance. But in the meantime, just make a molehill out of a mountain and start throwing things that look like bills into a sack or a basket and get, just get rid of other things and try to figure out how you, can, how you can, you know, wade through this mess to begin with. So I have found that businesses can be really understanding – if a debt or a bill is not paid on time, if you call them and you explain the circumstances and you try to arrange with them how and when you can get that bill paid and so on and so forth, and and then maybe ask if the bills can be sent to you in the future, change the email address, change the mailing address of the bills so that they come to you. Now, one place that that will not apply is if they have long-term care insurance. Let me tell you, this is a bad state of affairs 
But uh, long-term care insurance companies, I actually think they look for people who miss one payment and they will cancel your policy. If you've been paying on it for 30 years and you forget to make one payment, they cancel you and they keep all that money. It is shameful what they do to people. So if somebody does have a long-term care insurance, the first thing you want to do is find out who that company is, call and make sure their payments are on time, they are up to date, and um, any ramifications of uh, even a week late or, you know, when it's due, if you don't, if you have to pay it in pieces and stuff like that, I don't think you can do that. So those are things you need to look and find out, okay? Um, Assets can be a lot harder to find. Again, you can look at recent mail, uh, look in obvious places like a desk, uh, an office, clothing, um, safes, other places where, you know, papers are kept. <laughs> a lot of times I find them on the stove. Seriously. I find that people with dementia, for some reason, use their stove like it is a table and they put a ton of paperwork that they think is important right there. So, so look there. Um, look under the bed. Look in shoeboxes. Um, in pockets of clothing. Uh, for women, look in old purses. I have found things in houses in tea kettles or in um, canisters, in old Folgers jars, coffee jars, things like that. You can find them in pots with a with a lid on it. Um, what else? Under rugs, in jewelry boxes. <laughs> I had a lady one time say, "Why don't you join me and we can go on a treasure hunt and we can see where I put everything?" And she was being really serious, but her family looked horrified. They were. <laughs> You know, the the adult kids, you know, can think of some obscure places to look. Um, but what are you looking for? You're looking for bank statements. You're looking for canceled checks, bank books, uh, savings books, passbooks, checkbooks, um, where they keep their keys, address books. Where they might keep insurance policies, receipts, could be in a file somewhere that says receipts in the in the file cabinet. Um, where do they keep other business or legal correspondence? Income tax records. A lot of times you can find receipts um, in the same place where somebody files their income taxes because they're thinking, well, that's a good place to put it because then I'll find it, but then they forget that it's there. Uh, let's see. What else? Hmm. So you should look for their tax records for the past four or five years. That reason that's important is because if they have to apply for Medicaid, if they are indigent, lacking funds, have less than $2,000 in their bank account, um, they will go back and look at your tax returns for the last five years. 
So if you have that, that is really, really good knowledge to to have. It could be in their computer system again. If maybe they somebody emailed it over to them uh, rather than having paper files, good place to look. I would go back and look through anybody's deleted items on their on their emails. Um, I would look in their junk mail. I'd look in their spam. It could be anywhere. And if they have thousands and thousands of emails, I'd start at the back and move forward. You have a better chance of finding what you're looking for there. Um, it's also important whether or not they filed a joint return. Um, because if they did, that could make a big difference in that Medicaid piece I was talking to you about. Um, other things that you can get copies of or you should make sure that you possess a copy of, of course, is the power of attorney or a guardianship, a conservatorship, if something like that has been put into place. And you have to make sure that that power of attorney meets the IRS standards because if it doesn't, they can fight you on the money if that person dies. But all those documents can piece together um, what assets a person has and what resources they might have available to them. So it's really, really important. So spelling it out, what are those kinds of assets? Well, one of them is their bank accounts. So look for a checkbook, a bank book where maybe they put in all of their um, uh, expenses and stuff like that. Um, look at bank statements. You can pull those month by month through the person's uh, online bank account. The Look at their checkbook. Look at their savings book. Um, look at statements of interest paid. Or do they have any joint accounts with someone else, another family member? Um, you never know. People will pull things like that out of a hat and change their documents um, as they get more progressed with the disease and get more fearful or suspicious of people, and they can change things like that. So most banks won't release information about accounts or loans or investments or anyone uh, whose name is not on the account. But if they've been given a power of attorney or if they can give a certain amount of limited information to you, uh, such as whether or not there is an account in that individual's name, then you can have your doctor or your lawyer send letters, maybe both, explaining the nature of that person's disability and the reason why you need the information in the first place. And most oftentimes, banks will release information about the amount in an account or about any current transactions, but only to a court-appointed person, somebody that is properly authorized, meaning that they have uh, gone through the trouble to maintain or get the power of attorney for financial. It doesn't really matter if you have the uh, power of attorney for medical in the legal realm over finances, but the power of financial attorney is incredibly important. And especially if you're looking like 
um, at stock certificates, bonds, certificates of deposit, savings bonds, mutual funds, things like that. Because people may have those. They could be have they could have an Ameritrade, they could have an Edward Jones, they could have a Charles Schwab account, things like that. And if they do have actual bonds, um, they should have notices of payments or payments due or notices of dividends paid, especially this time of year, at the end of the year. Uh, earnings claimed on income tax. Um Amounts paid from a bank account to that account. Receipts for those things. Mutual funds um, are the same way. They're held in the name of the person. So look for any canceled checks or any receipts or correspondence in any way from a brokerage. Um, brokerages are tempted. Uh, they're kind of like, um, how do I describe this? They're kind of like, uh, I guess an Edward Jones would be a broker where they help you to uh, create a retirement fund where you may play the stock market game. Um, you may have some mutual funds in there that you are paying into and different levels of them and things like that. These things can get really uh, sticky, so I would look for any information you could um, on records of a sale of stocks, um, selling off their stocks, things like that. Anything you see that says that it's from a brokerage or it has has those words on it, like mutual funds, paid earnings, dividends, things like that, don't throw those pieces of documentation away. Those are the ones that are going to go in the basket because even if you don't know what you're looking at, that's the kind of stuff you're looking for, okay? I want you to also look for things like insurance policies. Because they may not remember if they paid into something or how long they paid into something. So they could have a life insurance policy or a disability insurance or some kind of health insurance. More than likely, if they're older, they're going to have something like Medicare. Um, but you could have other insurances, just like long-term care insurance or um, – uh, disability because you have Alzheimer's, uh, disability because you can't work. And so those are probably the most frequently overlooked assets that people can look for. They might have been paid in a lump sum or have lump benefits. So if you're looking through documentation, look for premium notices Look for policy changes, canceled checks that give you the name of the insurer. Um, contact them directly about the policy. Some insurers will release the information, but you generally have to send a letter from a doctor or an attorney uh, with proof of your legal right for that information. It just is the way it is. So if you are somebody who is not that person's power of finance or power of medical Getting those documents are going to be crazy hard for you. So this is why it's important, people, to get all these things in order, to know 
what somebody's assets are and and you know what benefits they have and all of that early on before they get to a point where they can't talk to you and trust me i know that it's difficult when you want to talk to somebody and they tell you that their finances are none of your business, but you have to let them know that the only way you can help them is to be able to access that information when they are not able. And, uh, you know, do what you can to um, make electronic payments, but you also have to set up um, a system where if a credit card expires, they send you an immediate notice so that you can put a new expiration date or, you know, change the credit card. You can't just uh, – credit cards expire about every two, three years. So if somebody's had a credit card that they've been paying on something for years and years, uh, chances are it's no longer valid anymore. So these are things we have to look for. What else? Safe deposit boxes. Not just safe deposit boxes, safes. Look for a code. Look for a key. Look for a bill or a receipt from the safe deposit box. It's usually through your bank. And I guarantee you, you will need a court order to be permitted to open the box. Safe deposit boxes are completely hands-off. Without your power of attorney of finance, you will never get that box open. You're going to have to do it through probate or have an attorney um, make a court order to be permitted to open the box. Those are sticky wickets. Other things people might have are military benefits. These are super important because if you've been in the military, a lot of times... Um, the VA will pay a certain percentage of your care in a nursing home or memory care, assisted living, so on and so forth. But you have to have your discharge papers. You have to have your dog tags. It helps sometimes if you have old uniforms so you can prove it. Uh, Contact the military to determine what benefits are available to the person. Um, Dependents of veterans are oftentimes eligible for benefits. So as an example, I see a lot of people that have been in the military um, where their spouse, this could be a man or a woman, their spouse goes into a care community and they allow that person to get some of the benefits from that VA. So... That's really, really important. These care communities are so expensive. So any help that you can get in this area is huge. So make sure that if you're helping somebody to get their affairs in order, get some files in a file cabinet and load this stuff up. You can get, um, you can go to the container store and get um, containers to put some of these in and label what they are. Make it easy for yourself. Because I'm telling you, this stuff is the kind of stuff that can make you crazy when you're looking at the end, uh, trying to figure it out, and you don't know where to look. Other things you would want to look at is real estate property. What houses do they have? What land do they own? Did they own a business? 
Do they have any rental properties? Do they have any joint ownership or partial ownership on any of those other areas? Have they made any payments from a checking account? Um, Do they have any gains or losses declared on their income tax? Their income tax can tell you a lot. It can tell you everything, actually. So you have to make sure you have access to their income tax because that will lay out any property tax, any land ownership, any business ownership, anything like that that somebody would have. Um, They might have fire or flood insurance. And they could have that. uh, They could have premiums on houses, barns, businesses, trailers. Um, So if you have an insurance agent, they could maybe help you line out what some of those are. Uh, You always get, at the end of the year, you get property tax assessments. Um, The owner of the real estate property gets information from the state that you can take to your tax person. And it's a matter of public record. So the tax assessor's office might be able to help you locate any properties if you have some clue that they might have some somewhere in the state. They can certainly find them at the, at the tax assessor's office. Those are really, really important things to be looking for and to try to figure out what people have. Do they have boats? Do they have um, cars, motorcycles, all those kinds of things? Other things you would look for, retirement or disability benefits. People overlook this all the time. You would be really, really surprised that when somebody has some type of dementia diagnosis, their family members don't know if they've been um, taking out their Social Security, which is uh, the supplemental security income. They may not know if they have veteran benefits. They don't know if they have, you know, railroad retirement benefits, um, any kind of any kind of benefits for any job that you had. Are you getting any pension um, from any job that you had in the past? I just was making up railroad, but I mean, like my husband's a cop, so he pays into a money market fund. And so that's where his pension is going to come from, as an example. And government workers typically do that. They have some type of government um, payment plan where they don't particularly get Social Security because they never paid into it. So federal and state government employees, union members, clergy, military personnel, they all might have their own special benefits, just like those money purchase plans. They um, they pay, they almost all of them have their own sort of supplemental uh, income, not paying into Social Security, all of those I just mentioned to you. So, you know, You might have to look at somebody's old resume or something like that to figure out what kind of jobs they might have had. Did they have 401ks wrapped up somewhere? 
um, that you don't know about that are still out there, you wouldn't believe how often the state uh, will send notices out to people saying, we've got all this extra money that go to people and you can come on this site and look and see if you have any money that is owed to you. And that's when that happens, when people leave a 401k at a job or, or something like that. So even knowing what that person did, look in their computer for uh, a resume uh, that they might have done so you have um, maybe some benefit letters. Uh, Look around the time of their employment and you can probably go back in their computer and they might have kept that employment letter when they started there. Other things that you can look for are um, wills. Has the person made a will? Did they list their assets? Does it match a trust that they have? I hope it does because if trusts and wills don't look the same, you're going to end up in court. Um, Usually they are kept by the person's family attorney if you know who that is. Again, going through somebody's email, um, things like that will help you to find some of that information. So if you can get their passwords and stuff like that so you can get into their information, that makes a big difference. Uh, But wills should list all of their assets. It may or it may not. But these are the things that we have to look at. Before I get any further into the things that you should be looking for, we're going to take a short break and listen to a word about my company. And we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community full of grandeur and elegance is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate, caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef-prepared meals, transportation services, and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, glad you came back to listen. I'm talking about things that you should be looking for when you are trying to help somebody who is impaired 
and you don't know what to look for. This whole show is about what to look for when you're trying to go through somebody's assets and financial information. So other things you can look at. Um, Do they have any personal loans? Um, Did they make any withdrawals? Payments, correspondence, alimony payments, you know, like divorce settlements and stuff like that. Um, Because that could change as the person becomes disabled. So that's super important to look for. Did they create any trusts? Trusts are simply... To make sure that if you want to give money to like nonprofit organizations or family members, that it's all lined out very specifically and it matches your will. A trust takes any 401ks, any any monies that you have invested and things like that. And you say, all right, I want that money to run through a trust so that that money gets dispersed to all the people that I want in a certain amount. And it's very specific. If they have a trust, that is hugely, hugely important. Usually a financial advisor would have that information. But again, you need that wonderful power of finance in order to access that information. I would also look at um, foreign bank accounts. Do they have any interest paid there? Do they have any bank statements there? Did they ever receive any inherent inheritance from somebody in, this, in the last year, in the last 20 years? Um, Do they have a cemetery plot that they've paid for? Look for the evidence of somebody purchasing that. Uh, Usually people um, of an elderly age in this day and age, in 2022, typically they have paid for their cemetery plot or they have taken care of their cremation or their, you know, what's going to happen to them when they... um, meet their demise. So you should look for any payment information of anything that they have done like that. You can call around if you need to, especially if you're in a small town, to the various cemetery um, and mortuaries and places like that and see if they have any knowledge of them paying for uh, their cemetery or um, uh, memorial situation if if they've taken care of it, okay? Other things you could look for are, did they collect anything? Did they collect stamps? Did they select uh, collect coins? Um, did they have cash hidden under the couch or in the, in the uh, pillows and things with zippers and blah, blah, blah? Do they have any loose gems, any diamonds, any rubies anywhere hiding in in pockets of clothing and things like that? Do they have any antiques throughout the house? Um, They could have an armoire. They could have a a chest that holds all their china. How about their china? Is that valuable? 
Um, do they have uh, those kinds of antiques? Do they own a bunch of cars? Do they own some really nice cars, some old vintage cars? I mentioned boats earlier. Um, how about camera equipment? You want to talk about something that's expensive to purchase. Did they have any camera equipment? Were they a photographer or something like that? Um, do they have furniture that could be valuable? How many times have you guys watched the Antiques Roadshow and you see these folks having, you know, like these crazy pieces of furniture that are worth $50,000 and stuff? I mean, you can find that some of this stuff can really add up in value. Art is, a, art is the biggest thing there. Um, and even if it's ugly, it might be valuable. You just never know. Um, did they ever insure any of those items? I'll give you an example. I have a two actually ruby necklaces that I had insured. I had them um, evaluated uh, so I could figure out what they were worth, and then I insured them. Um, so they could have insurance policies on things like that. And a lot of times, diamond rings, diamond necklaces, things like that, they are small enough that they can be easily hidden anywhere in the house. Never get rid of a piece of furniture or clothing without checking the pockets or the pillows or underneath. I mean, they will tear a hole underneath their their chairs and things like that and hide things in there. So, um, and don't get rid of anything in cabinets. Look at every single uh, can that is up there because it could have something in it. You could have a a um, Campbell's soup can that could have a wad of money in it. So people will hide things in the funniest darn places. And um, it's important to remember to not overlook those kinds of things. They could be hiding in plain sight. Okay? Sometimes you might get um, luxury taxes levied on things like boats and cars. Uh, so it is important to know if somebody owns those items what those uh, levied taxes could actually turn out to be. You know, the bottom line is if somebody is unable to take care of their own legal matters, you might have to do that for them. They might not be able to balance their checkbook. They might not remember what financial assets or whatever debts they might have. Um, they may not be able to decide responsibly what they want to do with that property. Do they want to sell that boat? Do they want to sell that Model T? Do they want to give you permission for medical care? If they don't, then you're going to have to take some legal matters into your own hands. And the bottom line is people lose these abilities gradually, not all at one time. So even if they are unable to manage their checkbook, they might still be able to decide on what they want in their will or their trust or who they want to take care of their medical care. But as their impairment increases, more than likely they're going to reach a point where they can't make any significant decisions for themselves. 
And somebody's going to have to assume that legal responsibility. And I hope it's somebody that they can trust. And I hope they made those those decisions early and that you're not somebody that's coming in and trying to get those um, pieces in place and the the powers of attorney in place after the person is incompetent because you're not that's not going to happen a judge isn't going to more than likely side on your behalf if you didn't take care of that i mean it can get really sticky my friends I, i'm not kidding you and you know they the a judge will look at it and say what capacity does this person have to make the decisions for themselves and why didn't somebody do it early on what's the what's the nature of the extent of the property that we're looking at and you know how do we how do we move forward here if we don't have all the legal pieces in place? It's never easy to talk to somebody about their finances when they're okay. But this is why last week in my conversation with Dr. Amy Sanders, I talked about having open, honest conversations, transparent conversations. When a person first gets a diagnosis, Make sure they have their passwords written down someplace where you can find them later. You don't have to give it to your husband. You don't have to give it to your sister. You can give it to your best friend. Give it to somebody that you trust, somebody that you feel will take care of your wishes when everything starts going away and you need to make sure that everything is is tightened up and, and, and buttoned up. You know, so that you feel like they're not going to steal something from you. And a lot of times that person resists doing these steps. But you, if you wait till they can't participate in the decision making, it's going to cost you literally thousands of dollars. It's going to cost you court time and it might result in decisions that you would not have wanted and so sitting down with an attorney and making making decisions on the plans you you should make and let them advise you on how to protect you as a person who is confused and what powers should be transferred and and what papers need to be drawn up legally because these laws particularly Governing the financial responsibility of families are complex. They, you, not every lawyer is uh, skilled in this area. They're not all specialized in this area. They may not have the best information for you. So you can ask the uh, Alzheimer's Association or look for a disability um, law center for a referral for a good attorney, look for an elder law attorney. Because lawyers, just like doctors, they specialize in different areas of law. Some do criminal law, some do corporate law, some do divorce or civil law. And you have a right to know what you can expect from this lawyer and what the fees are. I'm working on something right now. And 
I the first thing I ask this attorney before I hire him is what his hourly fee is. And much to my horror, he said $375 an hour. I'm sure he's going to be worth it, but you can bet I'm going to be ready every time I go and talk to him about this project I'm working on because, you know, he could own my house if I talk too much and um, get big, huge bills from him. You have to think about that because you don't want these misunderstandings to happen because you didn't ask what they charge or you didn't ask what services you'll get for whatever fee you're you're being charged? And do they practice this sort of law often? Are they knowledgeable about it? As I was talking to an attorney uh, last week, I asked him all those questions. I'm like, how many cases have you worked on like this? And I recorded him. (laughs) And I told him I was recording him. So um, if he comes back later and says, you know, he didn't do something because this isn't the kind of law that he practices, I can say, well, I asked you in the beginning if this is the kind of work that you do and how many cases you worked on and you said you did. These things are important, my friends. I'm telling you, you got to pay attention. And... Things to think about. What power do you have? You know, you may only have a limited a power of attorney that gives you the right to sell the house or look at income taxes or something like that. There are some that become void if the person who granted it becomes mentally incapacitated. So if you have a power of attorney like to do your mom's banking and and then you no longer have that authority when she becomes confused, um, that power of attorney is of little, very, little use at all, very little use to the family. So you have to create something called a durable power of attorney. This authorizes you to act in behalf of the person after they become unable to make their own decisions. So you have to look and see, do you have a durable power of attorney? And it has to be stated that that it can be exercised even if the person becomes disabled. And there's more than one type. I've told you this over and over and over again. There's one for medical. There's one for financial. And you need to know which one you are. Maybe you're both. Maybe you're not. There usually isn't two. Uh, You can have a first and you can have a second, but you don't usually have people sharing it um, because that can be difficult. Um, And, you know, I have seen people who did not act in their person's best interest when they are a power of attorney. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're out there and you're listening and you think you're going to do something like that to get somebody's assets and house and all that kind of stuff... There are safeguards in the system that will stop you. (laughs) And I hope that they do if you're not doing the right thing. I hope all of you out there are doing the right thing. You got to do the right thing. Because these people worked hard during their life. And they have worked very hard for what they own. And it is important that it is managed for them in the best possible way. 
and you are doing the right thing. It's all about making sure that you're making their major healthcare decisions, that you are making their major financial decisions, and from beginning to end, uh, and that you're doing what they intended and what they had wished. And if you don't, it's going to end up in a court of law. And then it gets really ugly. Then it goes to, if you get caught on it and you don't have the right, you don't have the durable and all that kind of stuff, it goes to court and you may end up in a guardian or conservatorship. A guardianship is the person's health care. Conservatorship is uh, covering their money assets. And uh, if the judge doesn't think that you've done the right thing, they could have a completely... Um, unbiased person that is not part of the family. They could they could get a court-appointed person that will take care of things like that. This is all important stuff. I get questions constantly. I get questions all the time about what um, people need to look for. I don't even know what to look for in my mom's house or my dad's house or you know, my friend's house or whatever. I just lined it all out for you today of the things that you should look for so that it's not confusing. And I made a list of, what, 20 things uh, to try to help you as you're going through someone's belongings. So just remember, if there's anything that says dividends, bank statements, um, assets, uh, taxes, Anything that has anything written on it like that, do not throw it away. You may not know that something is important until after it's gone. So if you're going to do this kind of stuff, do it with a fine-tooth comb. Make lists of everything because it's very difficult. Play this back. Uh, write this. Write these things down. And do your best to uncover everything that that person has available to them and everything that they've built over their life to ensure that when they got to old age or could not care for themselves that they had um, the proper financial resources for the care. It's pretty much as simply, simple as that. And, um, you know, these are things that you may or may not think of, but I, I deal with this kind of stuff every single day. And it's really, really, really important that we pay close attention to all of this. Well, I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. We're getting into the tough part of the season now. We're getting into December. Uh, We're getting into Hanukkah, and we are getting into Kwanzaa and Christmas and all the things that we celebrate. And I'm going to have a show um, coming up in December about the kind of gifts and things like that that you could get for a person that has a dementia disease, things that you can get for the caregiver, um, ways to have your Christmas parties um, sort of rethought and, and, and facilitated in a different way and all of that. So uh, my next show will be about that, and I want you to get out your pad and your paper, and uh, we'll go into December with our eyes wide open. And I hope all of you have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. 
been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.